0: Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Burkett. If you're new to the podcast, we have new episodes come out every Monday. Joining me this week is Matt Vannevecht. He is a type 1 diabetic, but he's also a fitness coach, a model, a diabetic coach that helps individuals live fearlessly in helping control their diabetes. If you want to learn more about his company, From the Fight Warrior, The link will be in the description below. And if you want to learn more about the program itself, it's www.diabetesinaction.com. You can also find more information about his journey as a diabetic through his Instagram at at FTFWarrior. He comes on the show and talks about his journey of when he got the news that he was a diabetic and how it has played a big impact in his life. He wants to show people that You don't have to be scared about the journey of living with diabetes and how you can take control of it to live a normal life where you don't have to worry each and every day or every hour. Every week on our show, we have our quick fire challenge. And this week, it's: you may not be able to control every situation and its outcome, but you can control your attitude and how you deal with it. So a lot of us have gone through this journey, and every situation we may not have saw coming, but it's how you deal with it. If you have that positive mindset, you're going to be able to take control of it and turn it into a positive direction. It all goes with our self-confidence, and if you have the confidence to challenge yourself and be able to go for it, you're going to make a huge impact. Remember, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Make sure to give this podcast a like, subscribe, and follow, and make sure you give us a rating and a review to help us grow with this podcast. So I want you to sit back and relax. Enjoy the rise of the challenge of Matt (laughs) Vandevecht. Welcome back to the show. Joining me today, he's a personal trainer, a model, author, entrepreneur, the founder of From the Fight Warrior, and a type 1 diabetic. It's Matthew Vandevecht. How are you doing today, Matt?
1: Hey, Alex. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
0: I am doing good. I am very excited to learn about your story as I am a fellow type 1 diabetic and reading about your story about how you had some things going on and how diabetes has played a big part. And I've gone through the same situations even during this year with the diabetes. I'm very interested to find how you overcome all these obstacles and learn about your story. So what we do with all of our guests is we go right to the beginning. When you were growing up, what were you involved in?
1: You know, I wasn't involved in anything diabetic related. Uh, I think I went on one JDRF walk when I was a kid, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was 19, which everyone's like, oh, it's it's juvenile diagnosed only, right? I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was in college. Uh, but aside from that, I grew up in San Diego, so I grew up outdoors a lot, lots of hiking, national parks. My family was very active. My dad taught me how to surf and play soccer, uh, which is also what brought all this confusion on me when I was diagnosed. So I was like... I've been active and healthy my whole life. Why do I have diabetes? And I didn't get it at first, but yeah,
0: it's confusing. When you were doing all those different activities, what was the most challenging part about learning like how to surf? Cause like for someone like me who don't go to the beach much, I would probably start falling every time I'm trying to get up on a surfboard. So what was the challenges you've had to face during those times?
1: So I, I mean, everyone's a little scared of drowning, right? The water is a different atmosphere completely uh my dad had to remind me that falling when surfing isn't that bad it's not like skateboarding when you fall on concrete and you fall you go underwater you come back up you know hold your breath sure but uh for me it was just this whole idea of the unknown what's under the water am I gonna hit the reef or a rock is my surfboard gonna hit me in the head uh but the biggest fear of all was still drowning which Feels silly to me now because I'm taller than the waves I ever surfed back then. <laughs> but the fear was still very real. So, overcoming that fear, realizing that I do keep popping up after I've fallen and I'm submerged underwater, uh, and we get to enjoy the waves as long as we are able to face those fears.
0: Growing up, did you have any motivations or someone that inspired you to go on your journey?
1: 100% my dad. Uh, my dad was and is my absolute hero. Uh, he he stands for everything that I love. He's a family man. Uh, we are a Christian family. He's a godly man. He's very athletic. I think he hit like his 60th, 61st birthday. He's still, he works out every day. He goes and enjoys nature, goes for hikes, and uh, my sister had her first kid. He plays with his grandkids in an active uh, atmosphere, like most grandparents can't do that. and so. Uh,
0: growing up, he was my hero. I wanted to be like him because in every sense of the, the hero, he showed me what I wanted to become. What did you want to become? Growing
1: up, uh, I had a few different dreams. First, I want to be a veterinarian. I love animals. Uh, I hated the idea of any animal ever dying. So I, I wouldn't even kill a bee. I was like, ah, <laughs> let it sting me. I'll just deal with it. <laughs> I have a different view on that now because it hurts. But, um, going for, and my dad reminded me that you would have to also euthanize pets as a veterinarian and I was like oh can't do that nope uh I wanted to be a physical therapist like my parents for a short while then realized it's not my calling wanted to go into the, the air force I got too tall for that and I wanted to go into the marines and I got diabetes and I was like crap okay I can't do anything military and I found I you could be a firefighter so I spent I think four years training to be a firefighter, got my EMT certificate, and I went through a lot of training, and then had this opportunity rise where my wife was like, let's start a business, and so I started this diabetic health coaching company, and since then, that's become my one passion that I've followed, so much so that I've kind of let firefighting fall aside, even though I was selected.
0: So talk about um, at the age of 19, when you found out the news that you were diabetic, what was the process like going through your mind? What... Were you scared? Were you worried? Or did you kind of, were like, I, okay, I have to go through this. This is what I'm going to do now.
1: That was one of the roughest moments of my entire life. Uh, even the month leading up to my diagnosis. So I was just, that's, I'm going to rewind in my head of multiple things that happened. I failed a few college courses. That's never a good sign. Uh, I totaled my first car. I ran into the center divider of a highway and uh, we ended up fixing it, but it was terrible. I had to take my dog in, my first dog, to be put to sleep because he was too old, and a week after that, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, so I fell into a bit of a depression, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I was angry at the world. I was angry at the situation. Why do I deserve this? Why me, right? Uh, And that's where the whole, I was healthy. I was active. I'm not supposed to have diabetes. Um, And initially, I met that obstacle with a bit of ignorance. I didn't take full care of myself. I tried to pretend it wasn't there. I didn't want to tell any friends or family because I was embarrassed of it. I thought that it made me weaker. And as a result, I did not take care of myself for years. And it was probably four or five years before I actually realized, if I don't take care of myself, my blood sugars, I could develop some pretty messed up complications like blindness or organ failure, amputations or even death. That reality hit me hard, and so about that marker four or five years in, I finally started taking care of myself, learning about diabetes, and actually testing my blood sugars in addition to taking insulin. So, uh, yeah, initially I did not respond well, but eventually I figured it out.
0: I had the same mindset when I was diagnosed. I was 11, going into sixth grade, and that was I was in the hospital with bacterial meningitis, so it deals with the spine and all that and so I was in a hospital for a week and then doctors came in and they said oh you have diabetes and I'm like oh great another it's like a time bomb like what else like throw more things at me that I'm gonna have to face so I was always like I'm different in a way and at that age you don't know much at that time so I had to do a lot of research but over the time I try to live to the mindset of, I'm just a normal person. I just wear something on me that helps me live longer. I can't eat the same things. I can't drink the same things. But the knowledge that I'm gaining and what I can do to overcome these challenges makes me a better person. But I have those moments where I'm like, I don't... I you don't know what you're doing. Like, I didn't take my blood sugars. I didn't take the right insulin. I would always lie to my family, like, oh, yeah, I took the right amount of insulin for the amount of carbs. And then the next week later, I'm in the hospital. And going through a stroke with it, and then this past January, um, I almost lost my vision and mindset um, brain injury with it. And my boss shows up at my door because she's like, you sound drunk or on drugs. And... It's kind of like you have to take it seriously in a way. And the way that you sound in doing the research about you is you're taking it seriously and you're making a big difference. And it's kind of inspiring what you're doing for the people in the diabetic community. So I thank you for all that you do for that. Well, thank you. When when you were going through those challenges leading up to it, what was the mindset for yourself like when you had when you were dealing with the accident and your dog and the family and the classes? Did you have to think I have to turn this around. I got to get back into the mindset of I have to pass these classes. I need to get through college before I can start doing something else.
1: That college is an interesting uh, topic. I did not know fully what I wanted to do. You know, I kept having these opportunities closed doors and I'm like which door is it going to be right um, so college wasn't like the top priority I, in fact I didn't go to one of the classes for like two months because I found out that classes were optional you're half a yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's as as mindset because I, I will say that now I'm a lot more mentally sound than I used to be back then it was kind of a survival thing it was like okay that sucked what's next ah this is getting worse okay what's next is this going to beat me Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully not. Uh, And so it was a matter of just pushing through because I knew that there was no other option versus seeing these obstacles as opportunities, right, where we can grow stronger through adversity, but kind of have to be aware of that opportunity in order to grow stronger, which I am now. But back then, I was just trying to survive.
0: So during college, did you take any opportunities while you were there outside of schooling that you were – proud of or you succeeded at?
1: Yeah. uh, In college, I spent some time actually my first semester I set foot on the campus and I joined a Christian fraternity. Uh, That was pretty cool. Didn't know it then, but I ended up meeting my wife uh, in the Christian sorority. We had events that crossed over quite a bit. Uh, But my second year, I joined the rowing team, and I didn't know what crew was. On the West Coast, it's like not a thing. Uh, Here on the East Coast, it's quite popular, but Uh, I guess the coach saw me as a tall, athletic-looking dude and was like, hey, you're tall. You want to be on the rowing team? (laughs) And he recruited me in that sense. So I joined the rowing team, fell in love with it. Um, There's actually another type 1 diabetic on the team as well, and he kind of helped me enter that diagnosis and showed me that life doesn't have to stop. In fact, there's a few times where we had to get up at 4 a.m. for practice. Not cool first of all. But <laughs> uh, I would text in, I'd be like, hey guys, can't make it, my blood sugar sucks. And he'd be like, just eat some sugar and get over here. And I'm like, uh, but <laughs> in reality I was being lazy, I was sleeping in. <laughs> but he was like, that's not the excuse, you can't use that. You just bring a juice box and let's go. So it was nice having that encouragement, that person I could look up to with type 1 to realize that diabetes doesn't have to hold you back. But uh, as far as something I'm proud of being on a collegiate sports team, that was quite the experience. Right now, every day, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., just nonstop. And uh, it really pushed me to my absolute limits uh, as far as physical fitness goes. It, it made it difficult to study, of course, because I had Christian fraternity and I was on the executive council and then the, the sports team. And then when should you study? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good experience for sure.
0: Do you still, like, after college, still have that feeling like, I want to get in a boat, I want to row, kayak or something like that?
1: Man, I, I love it. Uh, every once in a while, because my family's in San Diego, so kayaking is, like, it's a thing that happens every once in a while. I love that feeling, being in the water. I'm a water, I, I grew up surfing and swimming and all of that. But with rowing, I mean, you can do sculling, which is one person, two oars but it's expensive, (laughs) and so uh, to hop in an eight-person boat, you need seven other people. And so I've actually only been able to do it one other time, and it was an alumni race that I drove back to San Diego for. So I miss it, for sure, Uh, but unfortunately, it's not an opportunity that I
0: have direct access to right now, especially so far away from water. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So after college, what, what was the next path for you?
1: So after college... Uh, I guess I never really got there because I took off before I graduated. Uh, I had an opportunity that I was offered in my last year of college, and I took it. And that was at one of my rowing events. Uh, some like a modeling agency came through because they were like, "Oh, fit guys in San Diego, we'll find some models here." Sure enough, uh, they told me if I wanted to fly out to New York and do a photo shoot, they'd pay for everything and pay me on top of that. And I was like, "I'm going to get paid to travel." That sounds Kidding. like the life right there. I know. <laughs> I was like, how could I say no to this? Yeah, college, we're out. Let's go. <laughs> so I took off. And for uh, like three or four years, I was just traveling around. I lived in New York for a while in Europe. And uh, I pretended that I was going to finish college. I, I enrolled in an online university. I was going to do everything. And it, it never happened. I still haven't graduate uh, I completed a lot of my courses online, but got to a place after starting this business where I was like, Honestly, I, I know everything that I need to know for running this business. I've you know, put myself through a lot of courses and classes for fun because now I know what I'm passionate about, but studying things that I'm not passionate about just doesn't interest me anymore. So now I build my personal self. I grow uh, my character. I grow my business, but outside of that, I, I decided after many years and many bills later that I was going to stop college and pursue my dreams. So Yeah, all that money ended up not getting a degree after all, but it was worth it for the experiences, for the lessons learned, and I'm happy that I still did that.
0: I think you brought up a good point where I think nowadays, the things that they teach you in college, some of the stuff you don't really use nowadays, like all the math and science that I learned in college, I don't use any of that right now. So (laughs) like, okay, you just took my money and ran with it. But I think real-world experience is the best way to learn like definitely with my job and definitely doing the podcast i've had a, no one taught me how to do it in college i had to do the research learn from colleagues and do all that and i think i've grown as a business person in that way and i think that's the best experience and you're learning how to run a business by the experiences and the trial and errors that you're going through would you say it's better that people do that real world experience if they need to, instead of worrying about going to college?
1: I mean, I think that there's definitely pros and cons. There are certain jobs, like my wife, she did finish college, which I've, at first I was embarrassed by. I was like, let's be real, my wife graduated college and I didn't. Am I just a loser? <laughs> uh, she went on to get her master's, which tripled that feeling. Like, oh, she has her master's. Fantastic. I have a high school degree. Uh, but. It's necessary for her. She's an occupational therapist. It require licensure, so it's necessary for her to go and get all that education so that she can give medical advice, right? Um, and I chose to, instead of pursue that traditional educational platform, I went and got my certifications with EMT, with personal training, my nutritionist, all this great stuff. So it's still that I was able to maintain the education that I wanted to get. But it is different. And in some societies or some levels of society, it's not – accepted right it's like oh you didn't graduate college but if you can still achieve what you're, you're after whether it's starting a business whether it's uh, joining an apprenticeship learning a skill that you can use to develop your own personal growth or some form of a business you know even if it is joining someone else's business then that's all that matters do what's gonna move you forward whatever moves the needle and you mentioned something like you don't use math and science anymore I saw this fantastic quote online. It was like, oh, our teachers in elementary school tell us you're never going to carry a calculator around all day. But then we got these yeah. two. We right <laughs> <laughs> got our cell phones. And it's got Google. It's got, phone call, it's got everything you'll ever need. Uh, and then someone else mentioned how in school we're taught that searching for the answer is cheating. But then in real life, searching for the answer is doing your research. Yeah, It's like, wait a second. It's What's the difference, you know? And uh, you're taught that if you Google something and find the answer, you're rewarded for it in the real world. Yet yeah, we're cheaters if we do that in college. So uh, just something interesting,
0: different perspectives of the same outcome. There's always an app for everything. Anything yeah, you right? need, there's an app for it. But that that's a good point. Like I think when they teach you like cursive in elementary school. It's like, okay, I use it for my signature, but that's about, say, that's about it. it. I'm <laughs> like, I think my parents, they were the ones using cursive all the time, but my mom was a teacher, so she okay. was like, okay, you got to learn this. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I only need it for the important documents I need to fill out. So talk about um, starting your business. Where did you get the concept from? What was the mission, and why did you want to start it?
1: So initially, it was supplemental income. I was like, all right, I have this ability to help people, and I should use that to make myself more money so I can therefore support my family down the road. And so my wife and I had this idea after chatting with a few other models in the industry that, uh, you know, most models are pretty physically fit, and a good chunk of them have certifications to back it up. That's something to go on the side. And so I chatted with a friend of mine who was a trainer, and I was like, oh, you do everything virtually. That's fascinating. So he has clients all over the world, and he makes meal plans and workout plans for them every month. I thought, okay, I can do that. So I went out and got certified. I was like, let's go. So we built that initially around let's just do workout plans and meal plans for friends, family, and then build clientele through that and testimonials. Um, From there, realized that my wife and I both have autoimmune diseases. I was like, wait a second, what if we just help people with autoimmune diseases? This is a whole new niche that could work out for us, and we could help this very special community to us. Uh, she has Crohn's disease, and I have type 1 diabetes, so it's a little different, but under the same umbrella of autoimmune, so we tried to go that route. Realized quickly that neither of us knew a ton about Crohn's disease, so we're like, okay, maybe just diabetics. <laughs> uh, did type 1, type 2, LADA, all the different types of diabetes, yeah, gestational pre-diabetes. I'm like, okay, let's just do this big umbrella about diabetics. Let's train them. Two years later, it was like, no, I'm a type 1. I know type 1 diabetes inside and out. I, I don't have any personal experience with the other types of diabetes, so we should just focus on type 1 diabetes. So it, it's interesting watching the different trends that led into going from the super generic, let's just train whoever, to I train type 1 diabetics only, and I help them to stabilize and predict their blood sugars. So it's not even about fitness anymore. It's about how fitness affects blood sugars. So, you know, even two or three years ago, I would have never guessed that this is where I would have ended up, but it's where I'm able to help the most people. And now it's less about making money and more about making an impact. And uh, I've become a speaker as a result. And it's just, it fills me with so much joy to see and hear from people that I've been able to impact, that I've been blessed with to do that. And their lives are forever changed because of one talk that I gave. That's all it took. And I think so many people don't realize that even a smile, or a hug, or uh, you look beautiful today. Something very simple can change a trajectory of someone's day or even their life. And uh, we all hold that power within us, which is incredible.
0: Yeah, you, definitely the whole one comment can change a person's day or something. Definitely during this time where we're all not able to see each other, everything's virtual, and like sending a text or checking in on someone can definitely put a smile on someone's face. I mean, I check on family, friends, co-workers, anyone that I can reach out to, I will do it because if they're happy, it makes their day better. And it puts a smile on my face. And I try to be positive as much as I can. It's not being negative now. It's just not an important thing going on. Like you have to stay positive anyway. And definitely hearing that. Your speak or your uh, being a speaker and how you made an impact, it's definitely motivating for people to want to listen to what you have to say. With your business, and there's a lot of fitness programs and people that help with meal plans, being that you are a type 1 diabetic, does that give you an advantage to be able to connect with another individual that does have type 1 diabetes? 100%. And that's actually something that I've mentioned
1: to possible clients of mine. I'm like, look, go ask your trainer how your blood sugars are going to react to this workout. Go ahead. See if they even know what blood sugars have in common with the workout, let alone how they're going to be affected. And uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people on the outside, even our doctors, endocrinologists, they have a lot of knowledge, right? They've studied it, but they've never experienced it. So the, you go to the doctor and they're like, why were you at 300 last Thursday? And you're like, I don't know because diabetes yeah. <laughs> it does its thing sometimes and they'll never understand that. So that level of understanding uh, takes my business to a whole new level. And I think that's why people love it so much because they see that I understand what they're going through and that I can commiserate with them. I can share in their victories because I've had the same victories, the same struggles. Um, and that's what connects us. You know, we're all, we call ourselves a tribe of warriors, right? And the diabetic warrior, it's a common phrase in our community because we're all fighting this thing uh, non-stop. Yeah, it's every day. I'm sorry about that. Uh, every day, 24-7, 365 days out of the year, there is no break. We don't get to just go to bed peacefully and, and pretend it's not there anymore. And they get that. They know that I understand what it's like to have a sleepless night, what it's like to have to stuff your face full of skills and gummies when you're already full, what it's like to have to wait 30, 45, 60 minutes To eat because you had a high blood sugar and you're waiting for the insulin to hit you. That's something that no one else will ever understand. I think that's why it's so important to find your passion, find your community, find your niche within any business or any level of helping somebody else because it gives you that superpower of being able to connect with them on a deep level.
0: I totally agree. I think with my friends and even my doctors, they don't have diabetes. They don't know what I'm going through every day. So even if I'm telling them what they need to know or what I'm going through, they're not going to understand it because they don't live with it. So definitely finding that community does help. And you can hear what other people's stories are about and you can learn from them. I mean, I've had those days where, I mean, I don't eat. My I don't do Skittles. I do M and M's, and my mom is like, "Why did you buy the party size?" I'm like, "Sorry, it's just easy to take a handful and then eat them." (laughs) But I think when you're with your friends and your family that don't have diabetes, how do you educate them what you're going through?
1: Hmm. It's a great question. Uh, I was lucky enough to have an entire family that was in the medical field. So they had a basic understanding already. My parents are both physical therapists in the hospital. I have three sisters. They're all nurses. My wife's an occupational therapist. Like, it's nuts. Wow. <laughs> I, I was trained to be a paramedic, and then I went a different route. Uh, but even still, like, personal training, nutrition it's kind of, I'm like the baby step before them, right? Um, but one of my sisters has type 1 as well. And she was diagnosed about a year and a half after I was. And when I was first diagnosed, everyone had this very basic level of understanding, but they were eager to learn. And I was blessed to have that aspect, that environment, to be surrounded by supportive family members who wanted to know how they could help. And I, I know that not everyone has that. Most people don't have that. And when I was first trying to explain to them, I used a lot of metaphors. So I tried to think of putting in terms that they can understand, putting in things that they have experienced or they have seen, whether it's through movies or stories they've heard, that would make it more relatable to them. And that alone has been just a whole new level of understanding. They've come to be like, okay, I get it now. You've explained that this thing in relation to a car engine. Now it makes sense because I know what a car engine is, right? Uh, so metaphors are a powerful
0: way of describing what you're going through if no one else gets it. When you were coming up with the name of your business, where did that come from? How did you come up with FTF?
1: Great question. So FTF Warrior was actually uh, mostly my wife's idea. So the warrior thing was, that's just diabetes. We're like, cool, warriors got a part of it, right? We're all warriors. Uh, but FTF actually stands for from the fight, which is what our last name, van de veck, means in Dutch. And so they're like, cool, we can have this legacy for our last name, van de veck, from the fight. But from the fight also has to do with fighting diabetes, 24 seven, 365. So we're from the fight. And we're warriors. And so it's about this mindset shift that you have to have uh, where you choose to stand up and fight every day. That you won't give up. You're not going to lay down your weapons. You're going to pick them up. You're going to keep pushing back. You're going to see obstacles as opportunities. You're going to choose how you react to whatever life throws at you because that is where our power lies. You know, we we have diabetes now. That wasn't a choice. It's an autoimmune disease. But what we can do is choose how we move forward. Choose how what we react to whatever lemons we're given, right? Whatever life decides to throw at these curveballs. And I've chosen to see it in a positive light. I would have never become a personal trainer. I would have never become a nutritionist. I wouldn't know this amazing joy of coaching other people towards better health. I wouldn't have taken care of my health. In college, I was eating burritos at like two in the morning and that was just normal, right?
2: Uh.
1: I was not taking care of myself. And then when I had that realization four or five years later, I eat very healthy now and I don't think that would have happened (laughs) if I didn't have diabetes. So choosing to see the silver lining, uh, the positive mindset, that all arose from the choice to be from the fight, to become a warrior.
0: With working with your wife, is there areas that you focus on with the business and she focuses on? Or do you guys do combination of working together when it comes to certain parts of the business? Yeah,
1: so we split uh, as far as responsibilities go. So in the beginning, I was still modeling. We started the business right before we left to live in Europe. And in Europe, I was just on the train all day, going to castings, auditions, jobs. And she had nothing to do. She quit her job, so she could move to Europe with me. And uh, so she took it on just full force. And I like to mention how she birthed the child of the business, right? And then I was like the upbringer <laughs> because uh, as soon as we got back from Europe, she had to go to grad school six months later. And so once that started, she couldn't do anything. Her entire life was grad school. So from that moment on for the last two and a half years, I think it was maybe three now, it's been a hundred percent me. And so she'll be there. This is my favorite part. She'll be there to listen to me just ramble. And so I throw ideas at her and she's like, that's stupid, that's stupid. That's a really good idea. And then I'll go with that one. So she's a great person to bounce ideas off of because she knows the baseline of the business, but she no longer uh, has an active part in it because she's seeing her own clients for occupational therapy. It's her passion. That's her dream, and I'm really happy that she's able to do that now.
0: When you're taking on a client, talk about what does that process look like for that individual?
1: So, that's a great question. Uh, We chose recently to switch over our business model to not allow just anyone to buy off of the internet. So you actually can't purchase our program on the internet anywhere. Uh, It has to be an application process. So there's training they have to watch. If they like the training but don't quite see themselves joining the program, cool, free information, hope you enjoyed it, right? Everyone needs to have a base level of diabetic management knowledge. And I want to give that out for free. But if it's interesting to you and you decide that you want to take it to the next level, then you get to apply, get on a phone call with me, and then we talk. We decide if your goals match up with where the program would take you, uh, if you would be a good fit for us, if we'd be a good fit for you. And then we bring them on. Then it's a matter of uh, you know, where can we ship your, your good T-shirts and workbooks and all the fun stuff. Uh, here's how to get to the membership area. Here's the community where all the, your new best friends are. And uh, then it's an eight-week course that we take them through with
0: coaching and hand-holding, essentially. We make sure that no one gets left behind. What's your favorite part about working with individuals? Like, what gets your satisfaction reaction?
1: I want to say it's the results at the end where I get to see all the testimonials coming in. Like, oh, my gosh, my A1C went from 11 to a 6.5. Or my time and range is this. My confidence is through the roof. But reality is, I think it's the moment of hope that they gain. Where on the phone call, it's all this pain, all this frustration, all this confusion and sadness of what diabetes has been. But then realizing it doesn't have to continue that way, that there is hope for a greater future. There is hope for you to go out and achieve your dreams or have even just a normal day. So many people just want normalcy. I just wanted normalcy and not have to focus so much on blood sugars. Why am I 250? Why am I 40? And, and the hope that they get when they enroll in the program is, is so rewarding to hear about because it changes their life and it tra- changes the trajectory of their life as well.
0: I think that would be a cool thing to hear is someone's story about how the program makes a big impact. Definitely if it goes from an A1C from 11 to 6.5, I mean, that's a huge decrease. <laughs> I've, I've been there before. Um, but So how can someone, if they want to learn more, where can they go to learn about your program?
1: So the program itself for that free training would be at diabetesinaction.com. Uh, the company, which is more free resources, Instagram, all that fun stuff, is ftfwarrior.com.
0: Sounds good. That will be in the description if you want to check more about it. Y- you are an author. So did you write any books for the program, or did you kind of go in a different direction with that?
1: Good question. So initially, I put together a health journal that is, it's got an introductory kind of book section to it with four or five chapters on basic management, how blood sugars are impacted, but the rest of it is a 90-day health journal of documenting how did fitness impact me, what did I eat for lunch and dinner, and did I drink my water? Um, So that was the first book we put out, but... And I don't know when it's getting released, but we're working on something extra right now. Uh, it's actually a book to go alongside the program, and that's going to be released to our current clients in the near future. And uh, I'm super excited about that. It's not going to be, again, not, a, not open to the public. It's just for those who are in the program. But uh, to be able to give them a physical book that they can walk through, I think, is going to take it to a whole new level
0: of uh, results, of confidence, and of just feeling like you belong to something bigger the podcast is getting some secret information from you. (laughs) (laughs) It totally is. (laughs) So I did, with all my guests, I like to do a little research on them. And I found that you actually do your own podcast called (laughs) Pardon My Pancreas, which I actually listened to a few episodes because I'm one of those people that I love learning about new things, different things that I don't know. And that's what I enjoy about doing this podcast is I'm learning every day. I learn something new about myself, and especially with, you being a diabetic, I can definitely learn a lot. So talk about starting that podcast and what are you trying to bring to the public about that?
1: So that was uh good job. Good job researching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I try.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that podcast was a fun one to start up. I actually wasn't planning on it. And um, uh, a guy in the space that I had become friends with through a, a, an organization called Beyond Type 1, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but... Uh, we were at one of their diabetic meetups, and he approached me and was like, hey, man, I know that we don't know each other, like, that well, but we're kind of friends. Would you want to, like, co-host a podcast and put it on your website? And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I don't know. I just I think it would be fun to make a podcast, and I know that you've got this big following. Like, what if we just did it together? I'll do all the work. And I was like, well, okay, like, that could be actually fun. And uh, that was a year and a half ago, and we started it. At the start of the new year, said, i we're going to launch this thing. Again, my wife, she came up with the podcast name. She's really good at naming stuff. She's named, I think, all of our programs, too.
0: <laughs> she needs to, like, write a book about all this. Like, how to come up with a good creative name. I did right. like the title right. of the podcast because it it fits. It, it obviously fits with the subject you're talking about.
1: Yeah, right? Diabetes and the lack of the thing Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which would be hilarious if my quote unquote pancreas started beeping right now. Like, oh, part of my pancreas. Oh my
2: God.
1: (laughs) But yeah, that's all it was. And it turned out to be this fun place to interview other diabetic influencers and hear their stories, but then also to share the knowledge that I've gained over the years. And unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, but it is for a good reason. My co host ended up leaving the podcast a couple months ago because he's got some really exciting stuff that he's moving towards. So he's shifting gears and finding his passion in life now. But uh, that's enabled me to step up. And now it's a show that I run by myself. And it's a ton of fun. I love podcasts.
0: It's fun. I will say it's it's it gave me for me starting it. It was during the time of the furlough going on. And I was at that time where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I've always thought about starting a podcast, but it was in sports. It had nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. But I'm Uh like, I want to produce episodes where if I can learn something, people can learn something. So that's why it's all about rising the challenge because I've gone through journeys and everyone has a story. You may not know the story, but this is their opportunity to tell them and it motivate people to rise to their challenge in a way. But I enjoy listening to your episodes because it's interesting to learn new things. When you're talking to those influencers, what's like one thing you remember that you didn't even realize?
1: As far as like with diabetes management?
0: Or something that they've done that you thought, wow, this is a good idea.
1: Hmm. As far as a good idea goes, it's a tricky one. I know that there were a few times where I was shocked by things I never even considered before. Like I, I uh, interviewed... This woman influencer and we talked about pregnancy and type one diabetes. I had no idea how complicated it was to have a baby on top of just normal pregnancy, but like with diabetes. Talking about how insulin sensitivity changes every couple months, and there's massive changes in hormones that affect your blood sugars. And I was like, "Wow, I thought diabetes is hard enough just in general." And now (laughs) add something else to it. Like this whole new puzzle to solve. (laughs) Uh, So that was nuts, but. Um, I interviewed a buddy of mine, Rob Howe, who's got his own diabetic podcast as well. Um, and he chatted about how he was going into the, the realm of professional basketball. And he, as a diabetic, would see a rise in blood sugars before games, before practices, because he would get really hyped up and really stressed out uh, or excited either way, because that can impact blood sugars. And so as a result, he had to change his pre-game routine completely to being – really relaxing so he used to listen to like hardcore hip-hop and rap and get really pumped up for it and it turned into like cellos and piano oh. and he had to like calmly enter the game otherwise he'd be at 400. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like wow that's interesting. I don't think I can do that. I can't listen to cello music and all that. I'm like maybe not the hardcore rock music but right. I can't do that for me. <laughs> Going to, for you, uh, when you're doing fitness, what does it look like for you? Like, are you a person that checks your blood sugar before, during, after, or how does that look for you?
1: So I I do check it throughout, but it's a bit more relaxed. So there was a point in my life where I had this really crazy event over in Europe, thought I was going to die, came back, I became obsessed with blood sugars where I was checking it Every five minutes. It was ridiculous. Uh, an unhealthy obsession. So now I have set parameters. I set rules for myself where I can't check it as often as I want to. And it's led me into a more healthy checking schedule. Plus I have a CGM, now a constant glucose monitor. So that way I can just flip over my phone and until I easier than poking fingers all day, right? Yeah. Uh, but because I can check my phone, I do check beginning, sometimes in the middle, and then at the end again just to kind of see what's going on. That way, if I have to take any, any strategies, any measures, like eating sugar or taking extra insulin, I can do so before it's too late, right? Before it completely interrupts the workout. So um, this is actually something that I coach on in my program, is how different exercises impact you use this work. So we know that in general, aerobic activity drops blood sugars, and in general, anaerobic will rise blood sugars. So if I start with a high blood sugar, I run first to drop. If I start with a lower blood sugar, I'll eat some sugar first and then I'll start weightlifting and it'll come back up. So I adapt my workouts to fit my blood sugars
0: and because of that, there's rarely ever any issues at the gym, which has been comforting to say the least. Well, I just learned something new about the blood sugar part because that's probably why my blood sugars are all over the place when I go do fitness. Now I know what I need to do now. Yeah. You mentioned that in Europe you almost had a death experience Talk about that in a way, and what what was going on at that time, and how did you overcome that?
1: So the uh, the experience was my wife and I moved out to Europe for some modeling opportunities, and thought, you know what, your job's kind of ending, and you get this break before you go to grad school. Let's just go ahead and and see what happens. Let's go to Europe. You know, we decided to spend six months up there. Um, Long story short, we were out there back and forth a few times because of a firefighter interview for me, because of school interviews for her. But on our last bout going out to Europe, she had to pop back to San Diego for her school interview, and I stayed out there. While I was out there, my blood sugars were not cooperating. They were being just annoying as heck. High, high, high for a week straight. I got some new insulin in Paris, and apparently it was of a different concentration because that night, uh, I tanked really hard, really fast and no matter how much food I ate, it didn't seem to help. And I was staying with an Airbnb guy. The host was like, oh, you can use the fridge. Whatever's in there is yours. I was like, sweet, all the stores are closed because it's a small town. What's in the fridge? I open up the fridge. There's cheese and eggs. And I'm like, crap, there's nothing in nothing. here that I can use, literally nothing. And so I start freaking out. I get him through broken French to agree to take me to the hospital. I was like, call me an ambulance. He was like, I'll just drive you. So he drives me to the hospital on the way there. I'm still dropping, still downing glucose gels and all this stuff. We get to the hospital. There's this 30-person line. I'm like, oh, right, free healthcare. I have to wait. Crap. And so I'm panicking at this point. I just go straight to the front desk. and am like, you need to see me now. And he's helping translate sort of we're all just brokenly communicating. Uh, they don't believe really what's going on. They give me a chair to sit in because I'm about to pass out. And they think that that's okay. And that's like enough help is just give him a chair or a wheelchair so he doesn't fall over. I'm starting to fade in and out of consciousness. And uh, they put me on a gurney, wheel me to the back area, close the door. And I'm in the gurney essentially by myself. There's two homeless guys in there that also are on gurneys. Come to find out this is like where they put people to just be in the secondary waiting room. There is no help. Uh, And it's at that moment that I truly thought that I might die that night. I thought that in that moment, no one's going to help me. I am running out of sugar and my blood sugar is not coming up. I could die in this back room in a small town in Paris by myself and nobody's going to know. No one in the US, my family, my friends, they're not going to find out for weeks. And I was terrified. And I ended up getting a small boost of service was able to contact my wife and Of course, they're panicking, too, because now they think that I'm dying in a foreign country, and they can't get to me. They can't help me. And long story short, I ate everything that I had. Eventually, it caught up with me. Blood sugars came back up, and I was fine. Uh, But the doctors never came. And after four hours of being in that back room, I got up and walked out. I was never helped. I would have been dead before they found me. So that messed with me little bit. I was uh, a bit terrified. <laughs> Flow blood sugars wow. coming out of that experience. Uh, my wife told me I should take the next flight home, and I was like, "Hey, I'm supposed to go to Italy tomorrow for another modeling job, and I need to go to work. This is a contract thing." And she's like, "You almost died. You need to come home." So she uh, she used a big old chunk of our savings account to get the next flight home. Those are not cheap, I was able to, uh, but took the next flight home and for weeks I was broken mentally. I was terrified of low blood sugar. I didn't want to leave the house and it took me, uh, overall, I'd say about six months before I finally understood I was going to be okay. It took me about six months before I realized my blood sugars were still fine. I was still here. I had survived the low as I had survived so many before. um, and in that period of time from that event, you know, I went to the hospital to like get checked up back in the States. They told me I had developed PTSD, they diagnosed me with PTSD, with anxiety, uh, I had to go to classes to like deal with my anxiety. It was messy. And it was a very difficult transition for me to go from being this fearless coach, because this is after I started the business too, so I was a fearless diabetic health coach, and then now I thought I was going to die. So. Dealing with that depression, mental health struggles, and having to start over essentially, my ground zero forward my mindset, rebuild the foundations of Matt. You're going to be okay, and into Matt. You need to get back out there, and eventually into Matt. You need to face your fears head on. And when I finally got to that point, I was able to reestablish my own trust and being able to take care of myself and I'd say, yeah, yeah, about six months later, I was able to finally get back out there, go to my normal routines, enjoy time with family. And it's been a healing process over the last two years where, you know, every month I keep getting incrementally better. And uh, I'm at a place now where it's, I'd say, 98%. I still have those little little fears that pop up, those small voices in my head of like, don't freak out, right? But um, it's a process. The mind is a fragile thing, but... If you work at it daily, the mind can be your most powerful asset.
0: I think definitely it's for us, it's a mental thing. It's like a mental game for us. Like when anything that goes wrong with blood sugars or uh, symptoms and stuff, the first thing we think is uh, what the worst that's going to happen from it. And I know from my experience, the low blood sugars knock the wind out of me. I mean, there's been times where I'm on the second floor and I have a blood sugar 30, and I'm walking down the steps normal, but my family is freaking out thinking I'm going to fall down the steps. But it's one of those things that it's like a mental thing. Like Our body is used to it, but it's how we're able to adapt to it and overcome those things. And like you said, that each day you're getting better and better. And it shows that We learn from situations, but we always look at what's positive and what we can do to get better each and every day. So, wow, that's a, I'm glad everything is better for you because I would probably have been the same way, freaking out and calling my parents and family and they would be like getting on the next flight over to another country if they could. So what does the future look like for you personally and professionally?
1: Mm, the future. It's a fun thing to think about, right?
0: I mean, it could be uh, anything.
1: Possibilities
0: are endless. Yeah. Right. So as far as personal,
1: um, I mean, yeah, real personal, real vulnerable. My goal is to have a family in the near future, uh, my wife and I. Who knows what it looks like or when it's going to happen, but that is part of our goal. My second favorite thing to do with my spare time would be to grow personally. You know, build my character, read books, try to build my mindset to be stronger. Uh, And I really enjoyed that. But first and foremost, I love being outside in nature, and I do not do enough of that. As a business owner, but I would say more so business operator, (laughs) um, I spend all of my time on the business seven days a week. So my goal is to get to a place where I can step outside, go for a hike, go surfing, enjoy life before it passes me by. Uh, now, on a business front, my goal is to reach even more people I've ever had the, the potential to reach. And that's part of the reason why I got into speaking. Because I realized I can impact so many more lives from stage than I can on some Instagram live, right? I have a more direct connection when it's in person. And so uh, my goal is to develop my speaking skills and to use that to help people. So that is my, my nearest goal is to improve my speaking abilities so that I can improve others' lives.
0: For someone living with diabetes, what tips or advice would you give them to challenge themselves and not live in fear every day with it? Mm. To challenge themselves.
1: I think that uh, it's important for those living with diabetes especially to document and analyze. Now, most people, when they hear that, they're like, that's boring as heck. That sounds like schoolwork. I don't want to do that. But here's the thing when you document, like we were talking about documenting blood sugars, right? It's in a three day pattern. You don't have to document for years on end. If you can document for three days in a row, you have the possibility to analyze and find patterns. And this is why the book that it was called Trending, The Trending Algebra, because we find trends and patterns in our blood sugars, if we can find trends, we can determine our action steps. So for example, if I find a trend of uh, I go into a high blood sugar every morning after breakfast, there's a good chance I need to change my breakfast or my insulin dosing surrounding that time period. All of a sudden, it's less of a mystery. All of a sudden, I know what my next steps are, and that's going to help you automate your blood sugars, which ultimately leads to a better quality of life and a healthier life at that. So. Uh, as boring as it sounds, that is largely how my own diabetes success has grown, is to document and analyze, but in small chunks so you don't get burned out.
0: You're definitely correct with that because every time I go to the doctors, they're always like, what do you think you need to change? Because I'm the one living with it and right. I'm the one doing the daily process. And the doctors wanting to hear my thoughts and most of the time when I do come up with the new situation, it ends up working. And I just think, I'm like, do I need to go to a doctor? Can I just do it myself now? But no, <laughs> I don't trust myself that much. But it, it's kind of, you're right with the whole documenting, because if you can see it and visualize what's going on, you probably know what changes are needed to make. Like you said, if you're eating breakfast all the time, your blood sugar is going up, you got to probably change your breakfast. So documenting, I'm going to add that to my list of things I need to do more. For someone getting into the business you're in, what tips or advice would you give them to starting their business?
1: Oh, man. Okay. Learn from my mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try to serve every human in the entire world. Uh, Niche down, but niche to a place where you are passionate about it because if you're not passionate about it, you will get burnt out. It does not matter how much money you make. If you don't love what you do... It's going to be a chore and you will fail. You will give up. And if you don't, you're going to be miserable. So finding a passion uh, and a group of people that you can serve ultimately will lead you to push on through the hard times because there are so many hard times. Business does not come easy. It has been a long road, long journey, countless hours that I have never paid myself for because the business didn't do that great off in the beginning right? It takes a long time to build that up. So if I wasn't passionate about this, I would have given up a long time ago, like I did on the three other businesses that I tried to start. (laughs) I can tell you from experience, the businesses that I didn't care about, and I just wanted to make money with, they died within a year each time. So yeah, the, the passion will take you further than anything else will. And especially if it's a passion surrounding service of helping others, because I know my services help people, and then if I stop serving, I am doing them a disservice by by discontinuing my, my services. So uh, having that to drive me in addition to wanting to thrive as a business is going to push me so much further than just the love of money ever would.
0: The final question I have to ask you is for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to rise to their challenge to overcome obstacles and accomplish their goals?
1: Mm. I would say you should read the book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's a fantastic book that teaches us that obstacles are not an endpoint, but rather a growth opportunity. And then I would challenge you to think over a quote from Viktor Frankl, who is a Holocaust survivor, one of my favorite quotes in the world. He says that when we are unable to change a situation, We are challenged to change ourselves. In other words, you control how you react to whatever life does. You can react negatively or you can react positively. He was a Holocaust survivor, and he said that. He said, it's about how I react to being in a concentration camp. Holy cow. So if he can get through that with a positive mindset, positive outlook, something like type 1 diabetes, pretty sure I can do that too pretty sure that I can control how I react. So seeing obstacles as a growth opportunity and choosing how we react to those obstacles to begin with will set you apart from the rest of the world and will set you on a path for success.
0: That's a great tip and advice to give someone. Basically the reaction is the biggest thing and how you deal with everything that's getting thrown at you. Well, Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. and telling us your Rise to the Challenge. I definitely learned a lot of new things and the listeners and myself are excited to see what's next for you in the future.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on, Alex. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and I can't wait to see your podcast take off. It's going to be amazing.
0: Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their Rise to the Challenge. Remember, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast platforms. Remember, think about this week. What is your rise to the challenge? How are you going to reach your goals? You decide. Have a great day, everyone.